Please open your Bibles to Mark chapter 14, verse 32 and 42. And we're going to be, we're going to hold it there. Just kind of hold that because I'd love for you to be able to follow along in Scripture. But as Aaron was saying, one of the things that we've done this year is we've been actually starting a preaching series. Peter came and talked last week um, because uh, it's just a little tingy. Can you turn it back a little bit for me, guys? There you go. I got an echo. There you go. Or tingy. Tingy, tingy, tingy. So you can hear that? Anyway. We've been doing this preaching series, and why? Because that's not normally what you do for Christmas. Christmas, you, I mean, come on, guys, we, and we will have some Christmas messages, but the Lord was pushing and, and encouraging us about this thing about prayer. Because, again, it's not your typical December Christmas message, but we felt the Lord wanted to speak to us about what is our call as gateway in prayer. And so we're wanting to do this before the new year, and we're going to be continuing in, the, in that. And it's also a gateway thing. So as Peter came down, and he was sharing about this passage in Chronicles, if my people pray. Now, however, before I read the scripture in Mark chapter 14, I need to share with you a dream. Because a dream that I just had this recently, and it just went through with this on what God laid in my heart for this, this morning. And this morning's message is Jesus' invitation, together we pray God's will into our battles. Okay? So let me give you my dream. In my dream, it was the neatest thing. I became an astronaut. An astronaut. And just so you get an idea, give you real life what it felt like and looked like, it was kind of like that. See, I'd been given the clear to go uh, on a flight to the moon. Yes, if you look at the picture, that's me. I was right there. I was there. It was like so vivid. Um, and I'd been given this permission or a call to go to the moon. And it was, I felt incredibly excited. I remember in my dream, just this incredible opportunity. Uh, the thrill of lifting off this earth to see the world from outer space. I remember just having this amazing anticipation. Uh, being, what is it going to be like to be on the moon? And what an incredible privilege it was to be, to be called an astronaut. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and so just as we're about to launch, and we, and we said, you know, three, two, one, lift off. At this moment, unfortunately, what happened in my dream is I blacked out. I fell asleep in my dream. A dream with an... Never mind, won't go there. It's inception. Anyway, anyway what happened is I woke up, and I found myself uh, in, the, in the spaceship looking out of the window... And, and I noticed I was, I was on, a, on a land, and I saw that I was like in this, where there was a bunch of broken rocket ships. It looked like kind of a rocket ship graveyard. And I was looking at it and going, oh, this is weird. This isn't what I was expecting. Like, I, I, I looked at it and I'm going, this is what the moon's like? And so all of a sudden I turned to one of the other astronauts and I said, I, I, is this what the moon looks like? Is this the moon? And, and then the astronaut said, oh, no. Well, this isn't the moon. No, no, this is, this is where we land. What? Yeah, we, we, uh, you fell asleep, and we, we went to the moon and came back. Uh, you missed the whole thing. This is, this is where we landed. And exactly that, my heart just went, what? I missed everything? I mean, my heart sank on this idea of, and, and I was like, I, I, I wanted to see and experience, and I, I actually felt like I lost, like I can't believe it, and then I got angry. Why didn't you guys wake me up? 
Why did you not wake me up? What was the point that if I was going through all this and then I missed out on this opportunity, I was really frustrated. And then I woke up. Now again, this dream is so vivid. I was like, okay, what was that? I mean, I, I'm not normally dreaming to be an astronaut, so it's not something this is on my mind. Um, Buzz Lightyear does not count, just so you know. Um, for those of you that don't know that, ask a neighbor. Buzz Lightyear doesn't count. I don't have these subliminal messages in me that think, you know, I'd love to be on the moon. But I felt the Lord speaking to me. And what happened is I, it was early in the middle of the night, so I, I opened up my Bible and I was just starting to read. And the Lord brought me to a passage in Matthew chapter 25. And I started to read. And if you don't know what Matthew 25 is, it's a parable of the virgins, the ten virgins. And the story goes like this. Jesus says the kingdom will be like this. There were ten virgins. There were ten virgins that uh, were getting ready for the groom to come. Five that were uh, foolish and five that were wise. And what happened was the groom was a little bit late in coming, so what happened is they both fell asleep. Now the wise ones, when they woke up, they had more oil basically, but the foolish ones woke up and they realized they didn't have enough. And so they turned to the wise ones and said, the groom's coming, please give us some of your oil. As they were trimming their wicks and getting ready, and the wise ones said, we can't. Otherwise, we both won't have any. You have to go get your own. And so while the foolish ones were running out to get their own oil, what happens is the groom comes, and they go into the wedding feast, and then the other five virgins come back, and they're knocking on the door, and they're like, Lord, Lord, let us in. And... and and he says, no, I, I, I never knew you. Now, what's the point of that passage in Matthew 25 is simple. It's about being ready for when Jesus returns. It was t- totally about the, the readiness for when Christ comes back, anticipation of it. And, and so I understand that. But what God spoke to me, he took this dream, and he took this parable, and he put it together, and it, something struck me very Intensely, actually. A a kingdom thought. Suddenly, in this parable, 50%, five out of ten of these virgins missed out on meeting on what God wanted, or or meeting with the groom and meeting with something. And that became a scary thought. Can we actually miss out on what God's wanting to do? Is that possible? And what I'm reading in Scripture is, yes, it's actually possible to miss out on sometimes the things that the Lord wants to encourage or invite us into. And so I, I believe this, that this call or encouragement has happened to me. I don't want to miss out on anything that God wants for me. How many of you want to miss out on something the Lord has for you? you I'd be shaking my head thinking, wait a minute, you don't know the, 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 the feeling when I was like, I could have been to the moon. I totally missed out. And I love it because God's desire is not that we miss out. He actually wants all of us to meet and greet and have this encounter with him all the time. So, what is it we talking about? Together we pray God's will into our battles. Let me just pray because I want a revelation to come. Lord Jesus, You told the church to wait until they receive power. The early church was devoted to prayer. Lord, they understood that the mission you'd given them was too big for them. And they believed that you were going to use them to share the gospel to everyone. 
Lord, I believe that when, you, when we call on you, you answer. And Lord, that's why we pray. We believe because, Lord, when we call out to you, you're always faithful, always helping. And Lord, I thank you that you've given us all things. And Lord, we want to call out to you and answer. Help us to hear your invitation this year. Lord, per- together, praying into, our, into your will, our battles, Lord. Help us not to miss out on this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So let's open up the uh, Mark chapter 14 and, exp- and, and share with what the Lord was revealing in this. Mark chapter 14, verse 32. The scripture verses are up there. And they went to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter and James and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. And he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what your will, or what you will. And he came and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not watch one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. And again he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were heavy, and they did not know what to answer. I wouldn't know what to answer. <laughs> hey, are you sleeping? Uh, uh, no. <laughs> no, no. But he comes a third time and said to them, Are you still asleep and taking your rest? It is enough, for the hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed in the hands of sinner. Rise, let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. This is the passage in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus gives an invitation to his disciples to pray with him. Now, I want to share with this because this this one particular time that Jesus is inviting his disciples to pray with him is actually really intense. This is a deep place to worship or to a prayer. It's a deep level of intimacy and partnership that Jesus is inviting them to. It's actually uncomfortable. The kind of prayer that Jesus was giving and sharing with them of saying, hey, want to partner with something in me, with me? Is it, this isn't going to be one of those, hey, this isn't easy. This is actually might be a challenge. But Jesus does this. He extends to his disciples to partner with him in fulfilling the Father's mission. Jesus knew what was happening. He knew all that was going on. And what he does, he goes, I know this is the time when things are about to be fulfilled. And, I, and, and he says, come, let's pray. I would like you to pray with me. And what I felt was this. This is where it became interesting. I felt that the Lord was speaking to us as gateway. There was a prophetic message here. Now, what is prophetic? People, we use that word a lot. If you're brand new and you say, I don't even know what that means. What do you mean by that? Well, we believe this. We all have the capacity to hear God. All of us. Everyone, we are, it says in John 10, 10, my sheep hear my voice. So we have the capacity here. It's then believing that he's spoken and actually sharing that to build up and edify. To actually say, did you know God loves you and is speaking to you? And the primary way he speaks is through his word. 
And so when you hear these terms, it's not, very, it's not mystical when I say, hey, God wants you to prophesy. Because God speaks to you, and he wants to share something that is put on your heart to actually release to someone else. Well, God starts thinking, and I go, this is intense. What is God actually saying? He's saying, I want to give an invitation to Gateway this year to come into prayer like you've never prayed before. It's going to be intense. It's going to be like being in the garden. Oh. Oh. That's, that's different. Well, why is it a little different and intense is this? You see... God has done so many things. He's provided for us in extraordinary ways. He's made it so it's possible that we could even enter in the kingdom. He's adopted us. He loves us. He always answers our call. But here's the question that he's throwing to us. If I call you, would you answer me? This is the prophetic question God's asking. I'm wanting to know if I said, would you come and pray with me? You'd say yes. I called and you answered. See, I think it's easy for us to pray and we pray to a God like, like almost like Santa Claus. I give you my lists. I give you my stuff. It's totally different when you have a perspective. The Lord says, now I want to call to you and will you partner with me? Will you go to the garden with me? This is intense, as we will unpack it, because what it happens is, Jesus knew something. It's about time to fulfill my fa- my, the Father's mission. How many of you believe that? Sometimes God wants to do something in the now, and he's going, are you ready to do it? And yet, we need a wake-up call, because we're actually not ready. Just like the disciples. And so what this is, is is an invitation for us, as I said, to gateway to coming into 2019. And it's an invitation to come and tarry with him. What is Terry? Terry is this, not that Terry over there. I love that Terry. He's a great guy, but that's not him. Terry is a word that we don't use very much in our modern language. We don't use it because it's actually very uncomfortable. Terry means this. It means to remain here with, with. It means to abide or stay at a place. And this was what Jesus' invitation was in the garden. And this is, remain here, come with me. See, he's not wanting that the bridegroom comes and 50% say, oh man, I I missed out. Oh, uh, I didn't have enough oil. Or like me, he's personally falling asleep and missing out an incredible journey. He's actually going, I want you to remain with me awake. Because here's the thing that I found very interesting on Peter's message last week. The scriptures start out, if my people pray. Do you know there's one word that's very, very important in that scripture? Do you know what it is? It's one word. If. You see, that whole scripture verse is dependent on one simple way to explain it. If this doesn't happen, none of it works. But if, if my people pray. Larry Randolph says this, while God always keeps his promise and all of them are yes and amen. How many of you know God always keeps his promise? But God is not obligated to keep our potential. 
And so this is where he's giving us an invitation, praying together through God's will into our battles. So that, how do we accept this invitation? That's what I want to ask. Well, he, he actually gives us the clues. If we're going to go, Lord, I want to go into this place, go into the garden, I want to be in a place where I'm growing in prayer, the first thing he does is interesting. He gives them how to do it. The first is this, together, in verse 32, 33. And they went to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to the disciples, sit here while I pray. And he took with him Peter, James, and John. And he took with him. The interesting thing is the language looks like this. Jesus I'm coming. <laughs> took with them. It's like he's grabbing them, apprehending them, saying, this, come, come. They, I, it doesn't sound like they have a lot of choice in the matter. He took with them. There is an intentionality that says, uh-uh, I'm not going to let you sit there at home. I want you to come with me. Or, you know, we're at, remember at the feast, they just had breaking of bread and they were having some good time enjoying Passover. They might, maybe some of them wanted to sit on those loungers and just relax. And what's happening is he's like, no, 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 come on, come on. He took with them. Now, this is why it's challenge. We live in a very individualistic society. We live in a world that it's always, it's centered around us. And Jesus does something that's so counter to our culture. What he does is he models something that he says, I actually think it's better together. That in order to accomplish what I believe the Father is asking me to do, it's better together. And so he now takes them to go That is how he starts off getting into this prayer. He took some people. He took his disciples. Now, why is this request unique? Is Jesus often taught about personal times of prayer. He taught about it. Um, He taught about it in Matthew 6. He said, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. See, Jesus said, like Terry was saying, if you have your personal devotions... God is now ministering, so when you come here, he has a word for you. Terry's bang on. That's exactly what Jesus says. And if you come on a Sunday and you've already met with Jesus before, you'll have something to share. Jesus always talked about these moments where he says, I want to meet with you, not just at church. John 15, he said, unless you abide in me, you will bear no fruit. You can do nothing for me, which means... Daily, how are you meeting with Jesus? How is your personal time with him? See, Jesus valued that. He said, you can do nothing without that. And then he also, it's interesting, he even taught it in a really neat way. Because picture with me, what happened one day was Mary and Martha, they're working, or came and Jesus was teaching. Martha's doing all her work. She's serving and doing some good stuff. And then Mary's at the feet of Jesus. Martha kind of gets ticked off, like, Look, Mary's doing nothing. We're, we're supposed to be serving. And so she, she's a little Miss Grumpy Pants. So she comes up and says, Jesus, could you not rebuke her and get her working out? What Jesus says is interesting because he's showing the value. He says, no, no, Mary has actually chosen the better. He doesn't, he's saying that Martha's, it's not Martha's wrong by serving, but she was missing out on the relationship that that serving was meant to be in. Imagine doing all this stuff and not being personally in relationship with Jesus. 
See, Jesus taught about this. Have your personal time. But now, in the garden, he switches it, and he says, it's not about you anymore. It's not about individuals. This is about, he took them together. He suddenly changed how he's been teaching the way they pray to say, let's better together now. And this is why it becomes a shift, and it's absolutely because he knows the purpose and the destiny that he is supposed to be taking into, and it has to be a shift from individualism to now a propriety. He is now establishing his body. He is establishing something, but guess what? The disciples fell asleep or struggled. They struggled with this capacity. I think, man, how many of you would struggle and, and, I mean, we get tired, we get things happening. But Jesus is saying, listen, it's better together. And he calls his disciples to engage with him. When he, Jesus, was entering into his position of fulfillment, his mission, he invited them to do it together. Why? I think because, again, there's a revelation that kicked in. If two agree on earth, it is done in. So you need, to have that scripture released, you need to have propriety. Then he says, when two or more are gathered, I am in your midst. Now there is actually truths of the scripture that are being released corporately that you cannot do individualistic. When we gather, I'll be there, he says. Jesus is going, that's why, come on, let's, let's get together. Let's pray. In order to fulfill this, we need to have some sense of, of pushing aside our individualism, which is going to fly against our culture. It's totally going to cut across so that we say, Lord, but we, have a, we believe that you've called us to you. And why is it? Because there's incredible power and unity. I'll explain this. Um, this last year, I've really experienced this. At the beginning, we have these prayer, prayer goals, right? In January, we talk about prayer, and we talk about things that we should do and pray. And I got this idea, wow, I'd love to pray, and a goal for me is to get into some exercise. That was in February. Well, I struggled like crazy to get into exercise, to do any, like, how many of you love exercise? I need to pray for you. Have an evil spirit inside you. I don't know where you're, I don't know, I don't know what, crazy, I, okay, I'm, I'm joking, no. Exercising to me is like carrying my cross, it is not fun, and I struggled and struggled until a couple brothers said, hey, would you like to do some exercise? Guess what, for about four weeks, do an exercise, twice a week, because I have someone helping me. It is better together. In fact, some uh, workhorses could tell you a truth that, that is about a reality of this because I think it's in the natural, but it's also a spiritual principle. Did you know that two workhorses cannot do the same amount of work as two? Let me explain. No, as two. Explain, Norma. You just totally lost me that. Well, a workhorse, if you put one pulling something, he can pull about 8,000 kilos or pounds, uh, sorry, 8,000 kilos, I think I better make sure I get it right. No, 8,000 pounds of, of workforce behind him. You put two of them together, that makes, no, 24,000. 
they actually work three times, like three horses. You put two horses together, they work as three, because this is what happens. You put them together, and they start looking at you like going, oh, you think you can do better than me? Come on, you think, well, come on. And they actually push each other. There's a natural competition, and they will do the work of another horse. It is better together. That is, that is an animal showing a, a, a principle in nature. How much more in the spiritual? How much more? I'm going to throw you a what-if question. What if in this prayer time, the disciples said, let's do this together? I, I don't know what would happen, but imagine if maybe Peter said, hey, he's starting to drift, right? He's falling asleep. And then John goes, hey, Pete, come on. We can do this, man. Come on. Jesus asked us. Or what if they all are starting to drift? They were starting to get a little tired. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, Philip says, hey, guys, want me to pull out my lyre? Uh, for those of you who don't know, that's an ancient guitar. Okay? A lyre. It's like ancient guitar. Hey, Philip, pull out, can I, I'll pull out my lyre and let's do some worship. Do you think if they maybe had done this together, they could have stayed up all night? We don't know. I'm just throwing a what if. Could they have fulfilled what Jesus had asked them to do? Can you not stay up? Can you not pray with me? And yet, because maybe, I don't know, I'm just speculating, because it was, we fall in an individual and we're just trying to do our own thing, that they were missing out on being with Jesus, like he asked. It's crazy. Are you just struggling to fulfill what God has called you to do? Maybe it's because we need to stop thinking individual and we need to pray together. Maybe we're wanting to come into the fulfillment of what we are called to do and we need to pray together. How many of you feel like you're blo- there's something like you are meant to be getting into the purposes of God? You're, you're something inside you going, what am I called to do? What, is my, what's my, what am I supposed to be doing? And I think that Lord says, imagine in 2019, I want you to come and it's, now is the time for you to fulfill it. Like in the garden, Jesus understood a time and he gives an invitation to his disciples. Come, together we are going to pray God's will into this battle. Okay? Next thing we see is this. We pray God's will. It's in verse 33b and 35. And he began to be greatly distressed and troubled and he said to them, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. And going a little farther, he fell on the ground and prayed, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And Jesus says this thing, he says, not my will, not that I will, but what you will. And this is where the challenging prayer gets in. Praying God's desires, not ours. And I'll tell you why, because it's actually, it's difficult, this is a difficult prayer. It's actually what I will call laborious. Praying like this in a garden, this is why Jesus was having drops of blood because he was so intense and stressed, he's not wanting to say, look at what I want. He's trying to partner in with, what does God want? Father. I'll tell you again, back, why? It is so easy to pray, here's my list of things, like God is a Santa Claus, and coming to him, like, can you do this, 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 versus, I'm going to be in relationship with you. And I'm going to dialogue with you, Father, and ask, what is your kingdom? What are you wanting? What, what do you want in my life? It's, it actually is harder to pray like that. It's praying like that to pray your will will be done 
on earth is challenged because you're now seeking his desire. Now, let me explain why that's a challenge. There are two ways that the Bible describes God's will. Two ways. One is his fixed will. His will that has been ordained since the beginning of the foundation of time. There are things that you cannot move. For example, Jesus going to the cross was God's fixed will. The fact that Jesus is going to return again is God's fixed will. It's going to happen. And nothing's going to change that. But then there's another aspect to God's will. It's called his desire. God has desire, and it's part of his will. But let me explain. It's not fixed. It's not fixed because it can be altered or worked through because of sin and because of our choice. And let me explain why. Just to give you an example. Did you know it's God's desire that none should perish? How many of you believe that? It is God's desire that none should perish. But how many people are perishing? They're perishing. Why? Because though God desires it, he gives us freedom, a choice, and a freedom to choose, and some people don't want that. And they are now not partnering with what God's will is. God's will is that all should come to repentance. His desire is that everyone would have love, would have joy and peace. He actually, his eternal desire will eventually be where we are in heaven with him in relationship. That's his heart. But you see how we have to partner with God's desires. I'll give you an example why that's a challenge. I know God wants for people to be saved. I know it because that's why Jesus died on the cross. That's how I got saved, through Jesus. But I want to say thank you, church, for partnering with me, praying together, because this is what happened. I've been praying for my sister. I've shared this with you guys for 30 years that she would come to know Jesus. 30 years. And I want to say thank you to my house group because we take a little chair out every time we get in our house group and we go, look, can we pray that it's not just about us, that we have loved ones, that, and we pray this in our house group because we think it's better together. It, the one thing is if you're not in a house group and you're not actually understanding that community, you're missing out. Because we take this chair and I've been praying with my, for my sister for the last three years with my house group. And guess what happened in 2018? She gave her life to Jesus. And if you don't know, I shared that with it. She had been diagnosed with cancer. It was, we battled and she came into and it was diagnosed as stage four cancer. And she phones me in February and says, I don't know what, and she, and she burst into tears and the Lord just came over me and I had this boldness to say, Bonnie, you've looked for a, you've been helping other people, but now it's your turn. You need help. You need a savior. You're right. And I got to pray with her. Well, then I'm at a conference, and this is the cool part. I'm at a conference, and then I hear this song. I've seen you move. You move the mountains, and I believe you can do it again. The Lord downloads. He speaks to me. He goes, look, I saved your sister. I can heal her. So we come back, and I start talking to my house group, and we're praying, and I brought it to prayer summits, and guess what? Jan- or June of this year, she, diag- she phones me and goes, guess what? I got diagnosed. I am free of cancer. And I'm going, see, that's what God is trying to say. But that kind of prayer, it took me 30 years of praying. And I have to admit, I didn't expect it to happen. I fell asleep, actually. Only by the grace of God did he 
because maybe I was in a house group and we said they're going to take a chair out and we're going to keep praying this, that I got to see his kingdom come and do some miracles. But how much more is God wanting to do that? This kind of prayer that not my will but your will be done is intense. That's the theology. But because the last part with this, which is important, it's praying in faith. Verse 36. You see, praying that is tough because what if you've been praying for 80 years? What if you're praying for, and you're going, Lord, I know your heart. I'm praying your desire, but I don't know how it's going to happen. I, I, it's, it, this is tough because, Lord, it could mean me tarrying with you, and, 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 but believing in faith. Well, this is what it means in praying in faith. Verse 36, and he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Look at the verbiage that Jesus gives to Father. Father, all things are possible for you. Val is going to be sharing in this, so I don't have to unpack a lot about next week. She's going to be sharing about what it means to ask and receive. It comes from a heart of believing Father. And sometimes that's the problem is our disconnect with prayers because we forgot that we have a loving Father. Or maybe that disconnect and we're actually needing healing. Because we don't relate to God as a father. What fueled Jesus' ability in the garden to do the mission? It's his father's, it's the father's love. See, in the midst of saying, not my will, but your will be done, do you know what makes it easy to pray that way? When you know father's love. Because for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Today is talking about joy. How do you not just make it about a works and a hardship and all this? Actually, the neat thing is when you tap into Father's love, Father's love changes everything. Father, all of a sudden, you understanding God's love, that this thing isn't about praying, it's about meeting with God. It's about meeting Daddy. In fact, it's about fulfilling the purposes that God has called us, and he's saying, I want you to fulfill the call in your life. I want Gateway Church to fulfill the calling that it has. And I believe Father is saying, I want to do that. Remain in me. Bear and you will bear much fruit. And I'll give an example how this works. I'm just going to skip through this. Go to the last picture. Go through, uh, Andrew, just bang, bang. Nope. Back one more. This, uh, there we go. This is Joni Eckerson Tata. And she shares a story that helps illustrate this. Joni had a terrible accident that left her a quadriplegic. In spite of her physical limitations, she became an accomplished author and artist and got married to her husband, Ken. And these are the pics of Joni's wedding. And for her wedding, she had planned to come down the center aisle in her motorized wheelchair. But just before her grand entrance, she noticed two problems. First, she rolled over her beautiful gown and made a big grease spot and tore the, the, the dress. Then the flowers in her lap slipped down and lodged between her leg and the chair, And she was filled with incredible disappointment. Like, wow. Just feels like this, this is, I'm supposed to be getting this and it's all wrong. But then suddenly the doors of the auditorium opened up and then she saw her husband-to-be. And there was this man that was committing his life and his life, his love and his life to her. And this is what Joni says. Once I saw Ken's face, all I could think of was him. 
Everything else, the people in the church, the flowers that were sitting at the aisle askew on my lap, the fact that uh, my dress didn't fall in the right place because I was sitting in a wheelchair, the grease marks, the rip of my gown, it all suddenly just was gone because I'm looking at the one I love. And this, this is the fuel that Jesus has in the garden. Abba, Father, all things are possible with you. But not my will, but your will be done. I know and I want that love. You know what? Do I go to a prayer summit? Not because we have a list of things that we have to pray about, but because this, that when we come, we meet with Jesus. And I get to meet with my friends and pray, and we're praying about that, but it's actually the relationship. If this is simply a time to gather to pray that we put out our list, it gets boring very quick. But when I actually believe that I'm going to meet Jesus and Jesus is answering our prayers, a prayer summit becomes crazy fun. Lots of joy. Love is the fuel to partnering with God's will. So this is the prophetic word. I feel like God's saying, I want to call us in 2019 into praying Together we pray God's will into our battles. Together we pray God's will. And this is what I feel like God is trying to encourage us in this season. And maybe this is it. Maybe this is the whole part. Lord, can you waken me this morning because I don't want to miss out on what you want to do in me in 2019. Maybe you're discouraged. Maybe you've gotten sort of, ah, I, it's Another thing, maybe you're just growing tired. And you know what? This morning I feel like the Lord just saying, ah, would you want to wake up? It's like a cup of coffee with me. I want to give you an invitation, not condemnation, but an invitation to come and fulfill the purposes that you are meant to be, what we are meant to do in 2019.